welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. Welcome, everybody, to the show. We're glad to have you here. We've got uh, the three of us. My name is Chuck Keeler, and I'm joined by co-hosts Calvin Carpenter and Brian Logan. And we've got a pretty cool topic today. We're going to be talking about various examples out in, in the world where technology has changed business, how technology has transformed an industry or a specific business in some way that's fascinating and interesting. Today, we're going to talk about ransomware and how cybersecurity is so important, but how ransomware has really kind of changed the way certain businesses have to operate, if not all businesses, uh, to prevent such things from happening to them. Calvin has a really cool background with this stuff. He is a cybersecurity what would you call yourself? What's your title? Yeah, so I've been, uh, you know, a product marketing manager for for cybersecurity services for a little while now. Attended a lot of conferences, uh, been to a lot of shows and webinars and that sort of thing. Had the opportunity to, you know, speak at a couple of those types of events and just kind of slowly acquire, you know, the knowledge that I do have over time. So a lot of knowledge in the industry. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say knowledge of, you know, the back end, the coding, the developing, but a lot of knowledge about what the market trends are and, uh, you know, what we're seeing in the industry. So he's a an expert in this field, in knowledge, with an understanding of the cybersecurity and all the, the facets of it and everything that goes in, into it. Whereas Brian and myself here on the podcast are are not experts, right, Brian? I know absolutely nothing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I know almost nothing. Uh, Brian knows almost nothing about the topic. So we're going to learn a few things along the way. Um, the, the, what little I do know um, came from Calvin, and it's actually quite fascinating, and I didn't expect it to be as fascinating as it was when I when I started to look at it. So, uh, Calvin, let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah, of course. Uh, to start us off, I'm going to kind of set the stage a little bit, talking about ransomware, some some background information. Uh, a business is attacked by ransomware about every 11 seconds. And according to recent surveys, about one in five companies fall victim to ransomware attacks. Uh, and, and that's from a survey where they voluntarily disclose this information, meaning that the number could uh, most likely be even higher. Because one of the things you have to understand about ransomware is most companies find it embarrassing when they get hit. And that's why you don't hear as much about ransomware as you would expect. Because when businesses uh, suffer a ransomware attack and they pay millions of dollars every single time that they're hit, they don't want to publicize that information for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, it makes them look bad, might influence you know their stock price even. Uh, in, in some extreme cases, if they're a smaller to medium-sized business, might even cause them to go out of business as a result of getting hit by that type of a cyber attack. And, you know, overall, it's just kind of bad press. And it also gives uh, more confidence to other cyber criminals. Because when cyber criminals hear in the news that somebody's been hit, and, oh, so-and-so just paid uh, $4.5 million in a ransomware attack, it kind of encourages those cyber criminals a little bit as well. So, there's uh, a number of reasons why you don't hear as much about ransomware as you would expect, even though it's, it's so prevalent in today's economy. The most common entry point for ransomware is phishing. That's kind of the most common way that they get you. Have, have either of you experienced any uh, phishing emails? You know what those tend to look like in 
in your inbox. Right, the ones you don't want to click on, you don't want to give information because they're trying to what extract from you something, right? Oh yeah. You mean like the the prince from like Africa or something? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The Nigerian prince yeah. needs your help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean those those are definitely out there. Most more often than not, uh, you know, those cyber criminals they they tend to be pretty smart, and so they'll get you in some pretty interesting ways. Um, for me, for example, one interesting one that I've seen is they will spoof email addresses or they'll use hacked email addresses of people who used to be in my network, like, mm. uh, like a former tennis coach. I, I get spam emails from uh, a hacked account from my former tennis coach and they'll say something like, Hey Calvin, uh, just, just thought you might want to see some of these old photos, uh, to reminisce of, of the old days or something ah. like that. And it's a link. And it looks like it's from somebody you know. I say, hey, that's my old tennis coach. Maybe they're sending me some old pictures of, of when we used to play back in the day. I might like to see those. But in reality, it, it is a scam. It is phishing. And if you click on that link, uh, you're going to be in a world of trouble because they're going to, uh, you know, maybe install malware onto your device or, or steal information. And so when you think of phishing, it's not always the uh, super generic, super obvious types of attacks. Um, they, they do get very creative and very smart in the ways that they approach phishing. And another term they use is spear phishing, where they, where they target you individually. Um, they might say, Hey, Chuck, we know that you bought some cryptocurrency in 2021. And, uh, just so you know, your cryptocurrency is currently in danger. If you don't log in right now, you're going to lose all three of your Bitcoins. <laughs> right. And, uh, it's, it sounds, it sounds scary. It looks legit. Sometimes they've even got, you know, good graphic designs on those phishing emails that make it look um, legitimate. So you have to be very, very careful. And it's the reason why uh, so many people are falling victims to these types of attacks every single day. It's like the one I got from the IRS, supposedly. It wasn't really the IRS, but it looked exactly like any email they would send. It matched their website perfectly. And it just said, hey, you know, you recently filed and there's a $240 uh, difference in your favor. Um, and I thought, okay, it seems legit. And upon, and I just didn't want to click on that link. I just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. So I ended up doing a little bit of, a little bit of homework and realized that this was not the IRS and that's not how they go about doing it. Um, exactly. And, um, but it would have been super easy for anybody really, I think, especially those who don't, aren't so tech savvy to go for that. It seems, uh, plausible right they weren't they weren't saying a hundred thousand they were saying 200 bucks you would have clicked for a hundred thousand <laughs> <laughs> well that would have been more suspicious yeah. but i would love that hundred thousand i get i get a lot from like um best buy or um maybe like a walmart or something that it has the design like their logos it has the domain well the name comes up as like Best Buy, like customer support, and then when you click, and then and then it has like the design, right, the logo, um, and then it'll have some information that says, "Hey, um, we need you to log in like immediately." You know, click on this link, um, and it looks like it, but then when you click on the actual email, right, and, and see the actual like domain of it, it's like customer support, Best Buy customer support at Yahoo.com. Right, it's not. BestBuy.com domain. Yes. Yeah, this one had a, uh, the IRS had a dollar sign for the S at some point. I go, oh, okay, they're not doing that. That's cheap. That's, 
Come That's on. Right. Dead giveaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you got to look for those small things. And, you know, oftentimes they, they will have things that are suspicious, maybe even like spelling errors that can give those things away. But you can't always count on that. Um, you know, some of them uh, do have those those things, but there uh, there are also a lot of, you know, good phishing emails that are well thought out and well crafted. You have to be on the lookout for as well. I want to uh, talk about a high-profile ransomware attack, one that happened uh, a little over a year ago, um, right before last year's Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if either of you uh, maybe saw this in the news or, or were aware, but right before last year's Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers were actually hit by a ransomware attack. Did that did that catch any of your ears last year and any ring any yeah. bells for either of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it was something that wasn't highly publicized, but the uh, the San Francisco 49ers uh, had to recover from a cyber attack from a ransomware gang called Blackbyte, uh, and who who stole information you know from from this organization, and um, you know it didn't it didn't cause anything too crazy. It's not like they got a hold of the Jumbotron or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, what they did do was steal the data of about 20,000 individuals. And they also had um, access to portions of their IT network. And so portions of their IT network uh, were encrypted, and uh, they weren't able to access and it, it did cause a lot of problems. Um, we don't have any information in terms of whether or not the San Francisco 49ers actually went and paid the ransom. If I, if I was a betting man, I would say that they probably did, yeah. but uh, they didn't disclose that information for some of the reasons we talked about before, because uh, you know it's, it's kind of embarrassing. And it's also probably the same reason why neither of you heard about it in the news, even though it probably should have been a big deal. It's something that uh, they clearly were trying to sweep under the rug. Okay, so Calvin, you've got 20,000 users that, you know, their information has been compromised. Who are these 20,000 people that have, have their information with the organization? Are they employees? Are they people who bought yeah. tickets? What, what's... Yeah, most likely it's uh, you're talking about a lot of people who have some sort of connection to the organization. Could be uh, employees, could be season pass holders, could even be just people they have on their email list. So people in the San Francisco area who like to attend games and in order to buy tickets, you need to sign in, give your email address and your name to create an account in order to buy tickets. So you, you could be looking at any of those individuals when it comes to a data breach. Okay, so these uh, these ransomware uh, criminals, they they hijack some of this information and then, then they hold it for ransom, right? And Correct. then they say, if you pay, then we'll, we'll return the, what, how is that? How does that work? No, what you've said is, is pretty close to how it normally goes. Um, they will give you a ransom note and those ransom notes typically come in the form of, uh, you know, it could be something that they, uh, they use your, your customer support chat for. They could reach out to you through your own customer support chat. They could give you access to, uh, you know, their, one of their specific blogs or, or one of their other, you know, chat options on the dark web. And uh, once they get a hold of you, they'll give you this ransom note. And this ransom note, in fact, there's, there's an example I have right here. It'll say something like this. It says, all your files have been encrypted. Your confidential data has been stolen. In order to decrypt files and avoid leakage, you must follow our steps. Download and install Tor Browser from this site. 
paste the URL into Tor browser and you will be redirected to our chat with all information that you need. And then if you won't contact us within four days, your access to our chat will be removed and you won't be able to restore your system. Wow. So very, very simple, very to the point. Uh, they list out the steps, so that's actually quite easy to follow um, because at the end of the day, they, they, want, they want that conversion. You know, I, I'm a marketing guy. I talk about conversions. <laughs> and, and they actually do a pretty good job of, you know, listing the steps and making it easy because they want you to go through those steps and to uh, pay them money. Pay the money, yeah. So after you, after you pay, you get that information. How do you know you're going to get that information back? Or is yeah. it possible that you can get that information back and then they can sneak like right back in yeah that's yeah you're getting you're getting you're thinking like a cyber criminal now you're, you're doing great sometimes maybe he is <laughs> they uh so most of i would say a vast majority of the time if you pay them the ransom they will give you your stuff back and i'll tell you the answer why because they want to be seen as reliable if they have a reputation, if this gang, Black Bite is the name of this specific gang who hacked the 49ers, if they have a reputation for taking your money and then not giving you your files back, nobody else is going to pay because word gets around. And so if the San Francisco 49ers say, hey, Black Bite took my money and they didn't give my files back, the next time Black Bite uh, puts ransomware on another organization's device, the organization is going to say, no way, no way. I'm not going to pay you because I know that you're not actually going to, to decrypt my files. So most of the they, time... What if, they, what if they get, like, important information? I mean, you, to where a company's in a, in a position where they're like, well, we got to pay. Yeah, that's that's a good point as well. They could they could maybe make, uh, you know, backup files of, of sensitive information that they've stolen and uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit on the honor system, in in those regards, and and just kind of what kind of a reputation that cyber criminal gang uh, wants to inherit after the fact. Well, I mean, I, I, that makes sense if they if they if they got names, you know, yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like the, the real threat is that they release those names to other people or the public, right? There, it's sensitive information. They might have a backup of this information, so the Niners probably had this information stored somewhere else. It wasn't like they needed to oh, get okay, back yeah, to yeah, okay. it. Yeah, right, they right, wanted, right. they were afraid that the, the cyber criminals were going to do something bad with the information, right? Is that the, the fear? Yeah, normally they'll, they'll sell the information on the dark web and PII is what it's called, personally identifiable information, um, has, has a value attached to it. So email addresses are worth this much, names are worth this much, telephone numbers are worth that much. And obviously, the more, the more, the higher up the chain you go, the more sensitive the information. Yeah. You know, a social security number, for example, is worth quite a bit of money on the dark web. Man, so I can make a lot of money by getting people's information. In Correct. <laughs> yep, it's a very profitable business that rakes in. Uh, you know, we're talking billions, billions of dollars, and you know, some cyber criminals get caught, some cyber criminals don't. Some people have become very rich off of, you know, cyber crime in general, which is why, um, why it's a growing industry and why it's a problem that uh, people need to talk about. The digital dude gang. <laughs> Brian's <laughs> thinking of how to form his own uh, cyber criminal uh, network over here. <laughs> He's now taking applications. So <laughs> get in touch with Brian. Um, 
but yeah, this was a big deal for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they took a big hit. And I think it just goes to show how nobody is immune. We talked about how earlier one in five companies gets hit by cyber attacks. Nobody is safe. Some of the biggest names in the space have been hit. The Microsofts of the world, the Twitters of the world have all suffered their own cyber attacks. And uh, uh, basically, everybody just needs to be on guard and doing, uh, taking steps to protect their PII, that, that personally identifiable information. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, you want to be able to trust businesses with your information. Businesses take a lot of steps to try to make you feel comfortable submitting your information. But you should always have that, uh, you know, kind of healthy amount of doubt in the back of your mind when it comes to, you know, protecting your your information because um, everybody gets hit eventually uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. If you don't take the steps to protect your business, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And, uh, you know, it's um, mostly just about trying to stay ahead of the pack when it comes to um, cybersecurity and business. So the 49ers, they're hit. They maybe they we don't know, but they probably paid the ransom. And then what? What happens after that? So after they pay the ransom, they get their uh, systems back online. They get their data back, and in theory, everybody lives happily ever after. Now, sometimes Brian brought up a good point earlier that I'll go back to: is occasionally cyber criminals will try to leave a back door, so they can, they can get back into your system again. Uh. And so it's very important after you've been hit, after you pay the ransom, you hire people who know what they're doing to uh, do uh, extensive tests on your network and make sure that there is no secret back doors that these cyber criminals have left to maybe come back and hit you again uh, a year later, maybe even months later. You know, uh, you never know with, with those guys. So the 49ers, they, I'm sure, had a, what they thought was a pretty secure system, right? They've, they've probably went through the normal steps of securing their data. However, the, the hackers were, what, one step ahead of them? Is it just always evolving? Were they, yeah. what was the problem that the well, 49ers yeah, had? I mean, the, the names you dropped, right? Like Twitter um, and Microsoft, you know, if all these big companies are getting hit, you know, to me, it's, it's less of, oh, you didn't, you didn't take the necessary steps. It's more of, or like, are they are, are they just better at doing their job than the, than the the security that these companies have? That's a good question. Most of the time, it's not quite as as uh, movie film sexy as as you might imagine. Uh, most of the time, we talked about before at the beginning, uh, phishing. Phishing is the cause of a majority of these cyber attacks, and so a lot of times, uh, companies might not train their employees properly to, you know, deal with, with this kind of approach that cyber criminals use and cyber criminals will use phishing, get them to click links, uh, inflict malware on somebody's, you know, work computer or, or, or mobile device. And, uh, they'll find a way in that way. So they could target a, an employee, some, exactly any random employee, really. Mm-hmm. They could say, Hey Chuck, it's me, the CEO of uh, of your company, <laughs> and uh, I need your help. I need you to you know click this link or or go do this task for me. And uh, it sounds silly, but a lot of people will fall for that sort of thing, and especially if they haven't gone through proper cybersecurity training. And that can be an easy way for cyber criminals to um, you know find their way, kind of wiggle their way 
uh, into your network, so to speak. So there are other ways. There are, um, you know, like zero day exploits. There are, um, you know, uh, times where maybe you didn't update Windows or your, your company didn't update something within Windows and uh, they find, uh, you know, a previously known vulnerability into your system that way. Those, those situations certainly do occur. Um, but most of the time, it's a lot more simple than that. And they play the mind games with the employees to get into the system. That tends to be easier than fighting the millions of dollars the company has invested into the cybersecurity platform. Now, I'd, I'd imagine some organizations say, no, we're not going to pay the ransom. We're going to fix it ourselves. Does that happen often or is it normally the, the company that – is it normally that they yeah. it pay the ransom? So there are – there are exceptions to the rule. Um, I think that, for example, the Blackbyte gang that we talked about before, they're not even that big. Blackbyte was kind of a smaller ransomware gang. But I did hear of an example where they were using the same encryption keys. And so somebody was actually able to make a working decryptor for Blackbyte for, for uh, you know a, a certain period of time before, before Blackbyte found out and then patched that. Gotcha. Um, so occasionally you can decrypt ransomware uh, other ways, but if the if the ransomware gang really knows what they're doing, they really know their stuff, then that probably won't be an option. And you might remember in that ransom note I read earlier, they mention, hey, don't try to use any third-party decryptor tools because it could make it impossible for even us to recover the files. Okay. So when you take the risk of going with a third-party decryptor tool, um, you know, maybe there's a limited chance for success, but more often than not, um, you're going to uh, potentially even make the problem worse. So let's say there's a $5 million ransom. And it's the problem that they've caused, the, the ransomware people have caused, is potentially a $10 million or a $20 million problem. So if, if the company says, sorry, you're not getting a $5 million, we're going to take care of it ourselves, it could be much, much more costly. And it, it could take a long period of time, right? Yes, you're exactly right. Um, let's, let's just, let's just take an example of a company in the news right now. Let's say Twitter, let's pretend Twitter, Twitter has had some cyber, you know, incidents in the past. Let's pretend that somebody hacks Twitter today though, and shuts down the servers every single day that Twitter is not operating. They are losing millions and millions in the ad revenue that comes from their site being up and operational. Okay. And so if somebody were to hack Twitter and ask for an extremely high ransom, like $10 million, Twitter would have to do exactly what you're doing and weigh the scales. They would have to say, okay, we can either pay this 10 million ransom, $10 million ransom, or we can try to fix it ourselves. And maybe we can, you know, completely, you know, restart things from the ground up, but that might take a month and having 30 days of no ad revenue for Twitter. Maybe, maybe I'm just imagining numbers here. Maybe that's a hundred million dollars. Right. So they have to make that choice and say, I can pay this ransom of 10 million or I can try to fix it myself, start from the ground up again and pay, uh, you know, 10 times that. And for most companies, it's uh, it's a, it's a clear choice if they want to save money and get their business back up and running as soon as possible. Um, they're most likely going to pay that ransom, pay the ransom and then do the work that prevents the next exactly attack. then 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 make the investment to prevent the next ransomware attack from ever happening by shoring up their cybersecurity defenses so are there other examples that you could think of that um where large household name companies 
have been attacked and it's it's been uh, somewhat disastrous? Or, or are most of them like kept secret? Most of them are kept secret. You can you can find information about if a company has suffered a breach, and uh, you know sometimes there are uh, you know lawsuits that happen. So when a lawsuit happens because customer data got breached, that will normally be in the news. But uh, more often than not, they will try to sweep it under the rug. Um, it's usually companies that interact with um, or have like real time services or like like a twitter right is or social media is like real time like flights right if somebody were to hack delta or southwest like that's going to be known to everybody immediately right. mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to hide that if it's right. really affecting their systems right their yeah their customers can't do uh, book a flight for right. example but like something like the 49ers or or a company like ours i mean would anybody, it's easier would anybody, to sweep it under yeah, the rug. Yeah, way easier. So my question is, if, if the number one way of, you know, getting getting hacked is through phishing, is there like, is there a software or is there a, a technology that can stop that? Because I, I feel like phishing, that's a, if that's the number one way, that's, that's, that's training, right? And so... You can only do so much when it comes to training. People are still like me. I'm probably I'd probably click the same thing twice, you know, just because stuff goes over well, my head all the time. I'll tell you, I'll tell you some some steps that have recently been taken, and something that once I mention it, you're probably going to go, "Oh, really? I didn't I didn't connect that dot." You know, when you get an email from somebody outside of our organization, there's a little disclaimer that says this is an external email. Yes. This, this email came from outside your organization. That's, that's the type of thing that they're trying to do to help people like you and me and, and, and corporate office workers. Um, so Gmail, Microsoft, you know, Google, all of those uh, platforms have started to take steps to try to help people um, raise a, you know, some more red flags. And, and there are even some instances, I don't see it very often, but sometimes if you go to your spam folder um, for me, I go to you know my spam folder on Gmail, and occasionally, they will have a red warning that says, "Yeah, we are positive this is a a malicious link. Do not click on this email. Uh, consider you know blocking the the sender that sort of thing." But it's pretty rare that I see that message. But uh, they they definitely are trying to take some steps to help people not be stupid and click on on links like that. So I think. I mean, to me, it's almost like having a solution where somebody, if somebody does click it, it blocks it or, you know, there's certain sites based off of how you have your settings. Um, like if, if a site's not secure, I have it in my settings to where it, it blocks it. Because the site, the site isn't secure, do you, what do you want to do? You want to advance or, or no? And I usually always say no, right? So, I mean, is there something like that that can, or is that just through the the email service well i believe what you're talking about is kind of like a a firewall which uh, a lot of a lot of companies do have firewalls and firewalls and you know that sort of technology is certainly very helpful in uh, preventing and mitigating these types of problems the the only issue is that they can't do everything so if somebody were to gain access to the uh you know the network through your credentials they could still go in and access uh, sensitive company data that you have access to right now without triggering things like firewalls or or other things of that nature. 
one of the other things that I wanted to mention about why ransomware is so pre prevalent today is because of the ransomware as a service model that a lot of these uh, cyber criminal gangs have adopted. And the ransomware as a service model is, to me, one of the most fascinating aspects about this problem because it shows how much of a business ransomware has become. And what I mean when I say ransomware as a service is that almost anybody today can go on to places on the dark web and you don't even have to be that smart. You can buy ransomware to install on somebody else's network uh, through a third-party provider. Really? Yeah. So, so you're paying for ransomware as a service, mm -hmm. like software as a service. Exactly. So you don't have to be the hacker. You don't have to. Be you don't the... have to be the hacker. You don't have to know how to code. You don't have to have all of this, you know, deep knowledge, you know, red team versus blue team, years of experience. You can skip all of that. All you have to do is know how to send phishing emails, and you can buy the ransomware from somebody else on the dark oh web goodness. to stick onto somebody else's network. So that's why there's so many attacks. An attack happens, you know, at least every 11 seconds, if not more often today because a lot of people... you guys see me in a couple of months? <laughs> <laughs> Brian suspiciously gets a lot richer. Yeah. It's your fault. <laughs> FBI, stop listening now, please. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a real problem. And, and like I said before, they, they, have, <laughs> they have ransomware as a service uh, support. So if you're, if you're having trouble saying, hey, I'm having a little bit of an issue installing this ransomware on the San Francisco 49ers network, can I get some customer support, please? There's a, wow. there's a, there's a chat guy who will say, hey, Mr. Chuck, uh, tell, me, tell me a little bit more about your problem and how I can help you to uh, properly install this ransomware. So these are so you very legitimate payout. companies that are illegitimate, but it's a business. They, they run as, a, as if they were a legitimate company. It's a business. They run exactly as if they're a le legitimate company. You can leave reviews. You can go ahead and say, no. hey, uh, Crypto, Crypto Phoenix 427, I had a terrible experience. Uh, <laughs> their, their user chat was not very friendly to me, and I would not recommend to all of my fellow cyber criminals. I give it one star. You can leave reviews so you now can they see just, which ones are, are more successful and, and which ones have an easier install and, and all of those things. So they're not completely in the shadows. They're a little bit Exactly. Visible. I mean, you have to be on the dark web. You're not going to you're okay. not going to you're not going to be able to Google this today and, and go find those sites. You have to be looking in the right places on the dark web, um, you know, using people use VPN, staying anonymous and all of that good stuff. I shouldn't say good stuff, all of that sketchy stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right They're They're not quite as hidden as as some people believe it's if you know the right places to look, it becomes less hard to find. Interesting. See, I had no idea. I, I always pictured it from the movies and stuff. There's that person in a different country or just completely hidden from uh, all visibility who's in a dark basement with a, a computer who's really uh, kind of fit that stereotype of the, the, the hidden criminal, the cyber criminal. But it seems like it's much more of an operation than that. It's much more of a, an organization. It's, it's, it's a business, like you said. That's, it's a gang. It's a gang, but it's a gang that's like organized like as a as an as a business. Yeah, like 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 the mafia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're they're smart. Cyber they mafia. Wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't be successful if if they weren't smart, and uh, that's why you know it's it's hard to find cybersecurity talent, 
And one of the reasons why people, I don't think that people don't talk about is because I think a lot of the cybersecurity talent exists over there on the other, on side, the other side where all the mm. money is. Yep. And so it's uh, it can be difficult for companies to find and retain uh, very good cybersecurity talent because these people, the smartest of the smartest, who know what they're doing and know how to not get caught, are are currently getting rich by you know offering these types of services. Hmm. And the way that they get paid, you know, because they, you know, these 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 cyber criminal gangs, the people who create the technology, uh, they just get paid through kind of like a subscription based model. And so, if I want to be one of the people who's installing the ransomware on networks, there's a few different ways I can pay. Most often, it's just a, a flat subscription fee. Maybe I'll pay as as a little as a hundred dollars a month for my ransomware service, um, or in some instances, they might do a, a percentage-based model where they say, if you're successful and you get paid we'll a ransom, a cut. we'll take a cut of that ransom. Gotcha. So there's a couple of different ways that, that those, those guys get paid. Yeah, very scary stuff and something I think everybody needs to be aware of, especially if you're somebody who is uh, a decision maker in your organization. Uh, I believe that you need to make sure your organization has really stepped up its game and uh, not only is is actively doing taking steps to prevent this type of attack, but also have a plan in place because in case one of your employees slips up and and you become a victim, uh, having a plan in place, knowing what to do, knowing what this process looks like ahead of time, uh, might save you some some time and some hurt as well. So what's what's um, if I'm hearing this right now and I'm an organization, what's the first step I should take? First things first, you have to have a strong cybersecurity plan in place for your organization. This isn't this isn't, you know, 2014, 2015 anymore. Cyber criminals have stepped up their game. Uh, a simple firewall is not going to cut it. You're going to need next level threat detection in the form of uh, managed detection and response, endpoint detection and response, extended detection and response. Um, SASE, zero trust network access. These are all terms that decision makers for businesses need to become familiar with because those terms are the next generation of cybersecurity tools that are going to help prevent situations like these from happening. So I think it's safe to say that we'll never ever uh, win, right? It's always going to be this uh, head to head battle between. The, the cyber criminals and the, the businesses, right? Correct. Or do you think that there's a possibility that cybersecurity will get so good that we will conquer the problem? Um, I, I'm optimistic. I, I hope that one day we can reach uh, a point where that might be the case. But realistically, the other side is just making so much money. The other side is just as well, if not more well-funded than, than the good guys because of how much money they're making by doing this. So I would say until that balance starts to shift, until it starts to become less profitable for these cyber criminals, you're not going to see uh, the growth stop anytime soon as long as the money is there. Because at the end of the day, that's what everybody's doing. They're just following the money. So they have the motivation. They have the incentive to, to really... Uh, incentive to innovate. Innovate, yeah. Incentive to attract talent to create new technologies to figure out how to infiltrate the networks better than ever before. So until um, until that is no longer the case, I think that we're still going to see this kind of ongoing feud, this arms race in the cybersecurity world to uh, you know try to infiltrate and protect 
the networks on either side as best as they can. Okay, so what happened to the 49ers? Do we know the, the conclusion of this? Do we just know that it, 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 it fixed itself at, at some point? Uh, we don't, what do we, what do we know about the 49ers? I have tried to do so much research on this in terms of looking everywhere I can to see if they paid a ransom, and it's just not there. It just doesn't exist as of right now. I, you know, you'd probably have to um, talk to somebody within that organization to say for sure. I think as of right now, we uh, can only speculate. But like I said, if I were a betting man, I would have to guess that most likely they just decided it's not worth it. The Super Bowl is next week. Let's not. Let's, let's not do have the any, quick fix. Let's right? do the quick fix. If I had to guess, that's probably the route that they went down. But that's just my speculation. So before we finish, uh, Calvin, this has been interesting. I've, I've learned a lot. Brian, you probably learned a few things. Mm -hmm. What I, I'm curious about how pop culture has uh, uh, shown us this sort of uh, thing and what the movies have taught us and what your perspective is on that. You've seen the kind of, you have a view of the, the real deal. And then we see we all see movies where they depict certain things. Uh, wh where does that how do you see that? Does, is there... <laughs> yeah, no, it's just. It's, I, don't, I don't blame the film industry because if they were to portray it accurately, it wouldn't be entertaining. Nobody wants to watch Barbara from HR click on a malicious link, <laughs> you know, and then, and then the hacker on the other side says, I'm in, you know, after, after that happens. It's just not, it's just not, uh, it's not sexy. It doesn't have that appeal to it. Um, and so I don't blame pop culture for getting this wrong. Uh, they get a lot of things wrong because they try to present it in a more entertaining fashion. Um, when when the reality looks a lot different than that, so you know there there are some aspects that are true, um, but there are also a lot of things that are just you know drummed up for um, dramatization. Do you have any favorite examples of movies or TV shows that that uh, go into this topic? Oh man, I mean, there's there's so many examples you can choose from, and if we're talking about if we're talking about TV shows or movies that do it that do it well, uh, I'm not really sure I could give you any examples <laughs> off the top of my head just because there, there seem to be so few that are out there. But, you know, hopefully hopefully that'll start to change. And, and uh, I mean, me personally, I, I would probably be one of the first people to celebrate if we do get a movie that portrays it accurately with, you know, Barbara clicking on a suspicious thing. <laughs> you know. Sounds riveting. If I could leave, you know, listeners just with a word of advice in terms of, you know, cybersecurity ransomware, just make sure you're protected. Make sure you're not the uh, slowest one in the pack is what they typically say, because, you know, those uh, cybersecurity, those cyber criminals uh, will go after businesses and organizations that they see as easier targets. That gazelle that's uh, slower. The limping gazelle. Yeah. If you're the limping gazelle in the cybersecurity the world, lion. If, if you think that your 2015 firewall is still going to you know, do everything you need in terms of your cybersecurity needs, um, you're, you're going to be one of those people who's hit first. So just something to, to take away. I encourage people to continue to do some more research on this topic and uh, watch as the industry continues to evolve because uh, it changes every day. So the business of uh, ransom is no longer uh, cutting out letters and numbers from magazines and gluing them onto a piece <laughs> of paper and sliding it under the door. It's gotten far more advanced, far more technical, far more digital, and I would say far more lucrative uh, than ever before, it would seem. Precisely. 
Well, guys, I appreciate the conversation and thank you, Calvin, for bringing this information to our episode. It's been really uh, fascinating. Uh, Join us next time as we uh, discuss various different topics in the world of technology. And we thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. 